Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Start the show! It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to John Audio Resume Volume 2 with your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. This is the second in my brand new solo series last week. We talked about my work in the bindery of a printing company. That was sure fun, wasn't it? And now this week, we go to my second job. This is the second job I've ever had, which is kind of embarrassing because... When I worked in that bindery, I was 16. And as I noted, I've had a couple of babysitting gigs and, you know, like raking leaves and shit for money. But I've never had an actual job before I worked in that bindery. Now, no, it would be a little bit more than a year elapsed for me to get another job. Why? Because I moved to Houston the summer after I worked in that bindery. And so... Was in high school down there. High school was actually really hard in Houston, which was surprising. But they had more AP classes. I was always very good at school. Jefferson County School District, uh, honestly, really not that hard. And Golden High School in particular, not super challenging for whatever reason. I don't know why. But it just really didn't push me that much. The Woodlands High School in Texas, my God, that was some hard, hard high school. I used to come home and do like three or four hours of homework a night and I had swim practice and I had all this other stuff going on. It was insane. So when I went to college, I'm like, oh, I know what this is like. So, cause I've done this once already, but that was also the first time I injured my back. So I got to rehab that It was my first time taking a muscle relaxer, which put me to sleep. Uh, I pretty much just fell right asleep, woke up several hours later and said to my mom, you need to take me to school. And she said, no, school's over. You've been asleep all day after taking that muscle relaxer. I go, oh, awesome. So I've been dealing with my screwed up back now for the last 19 years since then. Off and on. I mean, it kind of comes and goes. But uh, thanks a lot, Coach Payne. He was your typical fat-ass bloviating Texan who uh, liked football more than he did swimming. And uh, he was a fucker. What can I say? I hated him. So, um I don't know. Hopefully, whatever he's doing, he's having a bad time with it. So, um, normally I don't wish ill will like that, but seriously, fuck that guy. Alrighty then. So, I moved back to Golden, and <laughs> there was someone... I don't know how to put this. Where do I go? Okay, so I'm in AP Spanish, and a former student reached out to our Spanish teacher, who I loved. My favorite teacher of all time, Miss Paveda. She was just amazing. And I love taking her classes. I loved learning Spanish. We went to Spain that year. It was terrific. But a former student of hers reached out to her and said, look, 
I have this like college pro painters business. And I think it was like a thing that college kids could sign up for and they could manage their teams and their crews and stuff. And it's how they paid for college. So he needed help like gathering leads. And I knew this guy. His name was Chris. We were on the swim team together. He graduated two years before I did. And so up on the board, it said $5 a lead, or I think it was $5 a lead. Just call him and he will get you set up. He'll show you how to do it. So I went around with him. I called him. I'm like, Chris, it's John. Yeah, let's get connected. Let's, I, I'd be happy to help you with this because I really liked him and it sounded like good and easy money. So I went around with him and we knocked on doors and it's just as bad as you think it is. Like, no joke, it sucks. Who likes a door-to-door salesman? I mean, if you remember Pee-wee's Playhouse, once a show, the guy in the giant head who with, like, the ill-fitting suit and the receding hairline, like, he'd knock on the door and Pee-wee would open it and he'd be like, I'm going door-to-door with the bird 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 and Pee-wee would scream and slam the door, ah, door-to-door salesman, and he'd close it. Remarkably... I used that door-to-door salesman in a presentation I did at one point because I was teaching people how to canvas, which essentially is just door knocking, which is essentially door-to-door salesmanship because that's part of what I do. I do issues-based campaigns and people need help in understanding sort of best practices and how do you do this and what to avoid and what do you do if someone says this. So I did a whole training based on that. And so I found... That door-to-door salesman, I found a screenshot, and it looks remarkably like Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I thought, wow, that's weird. Looks like Bob Odenkirk. Huh, what are the odds of that being connected? And I don't think they are, but, you know, I've spent all of 30 seconds uh, looking into it. So maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Anyway, regardless, he takes me around. He gives me the spiel. I have my little clipboard. I have a backpack. And I decide I'm going to dedicate, like, a day over the weekend to do this. And I drive to my old neighborhood. I grew up in Applewood, so not far from, like, 20th and Youngfield or 32nd and Youngfield. Those of you who live around here know where, <coughs> excuse me, know where Applejack is. Applejack is one of the most iconic liquor stores in the entire Denver metro area. And it's typically where people stop on their way up to the mountains to buy booze. Because Colorado used to have really arcane and sort of outmoded alcohol rules where, like, you couldn't buy on Sunday, you can't buy in the grocery store. The Sunday sales thing is done, and the grocery thing is still sort of in progress of evolving. So, it was out there. I went to my old neighborhood. I knew there were a lot of houses. I knew sort of the vibe of the neighborhood. It was very friendly. And just started going around. And what I learned very quickly is that it's one thing to be in your home and see the salesman or the solicitor or whoever approaching. And you kind of go, oh, God. Like, what? What? What do you want? It's Saturday. Okay, I don't... I don't even want to engage with you. It is quite another to put the shoe on the other foot and become that guy and watch people's faces and watch their entire posture just drop as you approach their door because they know you're going to ask them something that they weren't already thinking about. And you watch them go, Jesus, God, what? But you're a high school kid. You know, you're, you're very nice. You're clean. You're well-groomed. Or in my case, I am. 
And so I hated that feeling. I just hated that feeling like I was imposing on someone's day. Like I was an unwelcome intruder. That just made me feel icky to my core. Because I don't like being accosted. I don't like being bothered. You know when you're walking up and down the 16th Street Mall or whatever the main sort of tourist thoroughfare is in your own city? How there's people in jackets with clipboards like, Hi, do you have a moment for Help the Children? Or Greenpeace? Or Planned Parenthood? Or whatever. And, you know, depending on how you feel about each of those organizations, it doesn't really matter. It, You know, you could support Planned Parenthood, as I do, and still not want to talk to someone with a clipboard while you're just walking around in public. Right? Or, you know, maybe it's an organization you disagree with politically. You certainly don't want to engage with them no matter where you fall on that spectrum. So imagine someone coming to your house. And imagine being the person going to the house. That was me. But here's the deal. I walked up. It was a fairly easy pitch. It was like, hi, I'm with College Pro Painters. And we're a team of students working to put ourselves through college. And I wanted to offer you the chance to get a free painting estimate. If you've thought about getting your house repainted, this is a good opportunity to get an estimate. There's no obligation, et cetera, et cetera. So like there was this whole 30 second, 45 second spiel that you just sort of work through. And it's really not that hard. And most people are like, oh, okay, well, that sounds pretty good. When can I expect that? And I said, I'll submit this up to my supervisor here immediately and he'll get back to you within a week. Let me take down your contact info. Again, there's no obligation. Thank you for your time. Have a good day. Bye-bye. And it was a lovely day. Like, I was walking around. The weather was nice. Uh, it was sunny, but sort of brisk. Perfect for walking the hood. And in an hour and a half, I got like eight signatures. No, not signatures. We're not counting this by signatures. Eight leads. Eight people who wanted an estimate. And so I'm like, nice. $5 a lead. All right. Well, I made 40 bucks in an hour and a half. That's pretty good. Like, that's a nice, nice rate. I mean, what does, what does that work out to? Like, uh, approximately $25 an hour, more or less? Yeah, something like that. $26 an hour? Whatever it is, it ain't bad. And so <laughs> I thought, you know what? That was a pretty good day. Hour and a half? I'm going to turn these signatures in. And, uh, you know, that's, that's 40 bucks in my pocket. Okay. Which does not speak highly of my work ethic at the time. <laughs> it really, really doesn't. I did an hour and a half of work, made 40 bucks, and decided to call it a day. I go, hmm, okay. But here's the thing. I could not shake that feeling of intruding on people's day or on people's lives. And I just didn't like it. And let's face it. When I was 18 years old, because I was 18 when I was a senior, I was lazy as shit. Like, I did well in school, I but school I was good at. You know, like, I I was like the, the 3.6 GPA. Like, well enough to be recognized and do well, but not like hard, where you work hard enough to where you sort of make your deficiencies get better immediately. I was just like, okay, so what am I getting this semester what like three a's a b plus and a b yeah that's probably good enough that's that's fine i yeah i'm certainly not going to go the extra mile to uh get better at calculus or whatever 
or uh, what science class was I taking because I was terrible at science. Like, why why am I going to do that? This is this is good enough. I was very much in the good enough camp, and that lasted for a while until I couldn't skate anymore. And that was almost all the way through undergrad until I got to grad school. And grad school, that'll weed out the pretenders in a hurry. Like, no joke. That will, if you're not prepared, if you're trying to skate by on sort of the way that you've done it before, which is knowledge how the system works, uh, some intelligence, and a lot of charm, then you're never going to last. And it's not going to work. So... Once I got to grad school, I figured it out, and that really helped me prepare for the real world, which certainly emboldened my decision and made me write in retrospect about going to grad school and not trying to get a job because that would not have worked out well for my career ambitions, it, which who the hell knows if I had any. But going back, I've got my eight leads that I gave to my supervisor, my friend Chris, and he cut me a check. And I said, yeah, and you know what, pal? I'm not going to do this anymore. And he goes, okay. And I think he kind of expected that. I think I was the only one to reach out to him from our class, too. Because most people, most right-thinking people will go, oh, cool. Yeah, I have to go knock on doors, like door-to-door. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I have no interest in doing that. I don't care how much you pay me. I'm never doing that. And they are correct in their thinking. It's not fun. It's not cool. But here's... The rub. Here's where this shit matters. If you do that, even for just an hour and a half as I did, your empathy will immediately go through the roof and it will turn you into, let's call it 28% less of a jerk. I swear to God, you will become so much less of an asshole after sort of humbling yourself and going door to door and talking to people who have no interest in talking to you whatsoever. And therefore, not only will you become more humble, but you'll become a little bit more fearless. Yeah, that's right. You will fear a lot less after you sort of get over yourself and just start cold calling people. Just ringing doorbells, knocking on doors and saying, Hi, I'm with this painting service. Would you like a free estimate? And if you can weather even one person being sort of salty or surly to you, you go, ooh, I didn't like how that felt. I'm going to be nice to people who come to my door. Also, that really wasn't that bad. I'm still alive. And fuck them. That's not about me. It's not about me trying to provide them this free service. That's about them. And they are unhappy with whatever the fuck. It doesn't even matter. And you learn to sort of slough it off a little better. You go, all right. I'm going to face some setbacks in my career, but when I get those victories, they're going to be that much sweeter. It's kind of awesome that way. And I'll be honest, that job, just doing that for 90 fucking minutes really set me up for almost the entire rest of my career. That is an important turning point. That is an important fulcrum, which is why I'm dedicating this entire episode to one job that I had for 90 minutes. And there's not a ton to it, but the lessons, holy shit. I mean, that's amazing. Kristen and I always say to each other, there are certain jobs that everyone in society should be legally required to hold. And for me, one of them is cold calling, going door to door, working on a campaign or a cause or trying to sell shit to people, whatever it is. You should try and do that once. 
you should also work retail. Definitely, like, everyone has a retail experience. Like, you go to stores all the time, less and less now with the internet. But, like, if you work on the other end of that, you will understand sort of how it works and how understaffed and how stressful it can be and how underpaid you are and how thankless the job is. And again, it will enhance and deepen your empathy. Third one, food service. Seriously, you got to work food service and that's what's coming next week. I had a food service job. Again, it's not much longer than this door-to-door salesman job. But everyone should have to do that at least for a little bit. Just to experience what that's like. Because that is, again, very, very hard work. And not everyone does it. And some people, like, have you ever been out with someone and they're just a dick to the waiter? And you go, I like you a lot less now. I mean, that's certainly the case for me where you're out and they're, like, rude to the server. And you go, wow, fuck that, dude. Like, that's really uncool. Why are you doing that? Do you not have any idea? Oh, you don't. Right. That's right. You don't have any fucking idea what it's like to work on the other end. So just be nice. Have a little bit of empathy. Those three jobs you should definitely have before you do anything. And what's funny is I say that this job set me up for the rest of my career. And I did not realize how much cold calling I would end up doing in my career. And we'll get to this in later episodes. But with things like media relations, you are calling reporters on behalf of a client and saying, Hey, my client is doing this, and I think you should be interested because. And you fill in those gaps, obviously. But that is very, very tough work because very few clients will call you or call an agency or a PR firm or whoever and say, Hey, I've got this great story. This should be an easy sell to the media. No. If you had that great story, you wouldn't fucking need us at all. Like, there are some tricks of the trade. There are some best practices. And yes, there is under, un, <clears throat> how do I want to say this? Undiscovered genius out there or things that merit attention and warrant coverage that are not currently getting it and people just need a push in the right direction. I would say that's much more rare than saying, hey, this is what our company's doing. And you as an agency person going, yeah, no one's going to give a shit about that. Seriously, no one is going to care, but I'm sure as hell going to bust my ass trying to get you what you want. I'm going to work my ass off to help this earn coverage because it's important to you. It's important to the people who you work with, your customers, your employees, whoever. So I'm going to try and make it the best that I can. And that involves a lot of rejection. Thinking about this now, this could be why I like baseball so much because baseball is a game entirely built on failure. You think about Ted Williams, who is the last player to hit 400. He hit 406, right? So out of every thousand at-bats, that meant 406 of those times he was getting on base or he was getting a hit. Well, shit, 594 times that means he wasn't. So he's failing more than he's succeeding, and like that is a mark that is almost unreachable. It's like unfathomable to think about someone hitting 400 today. And so with media relations, for the first time I did that, I did a smile and dial campaign. I called probably 300 reporters and I, how many press hits did I get? I don't know, less than 50. So like under 20% Christ, that's hard. That's hard calling again and again and again 
and saying, yeah, we're probably not interested in this. We're not going to write about it. But Jesus, God, that toughens you up. And that comes from being fearless. That comes from cold calling. Fucking cold call. Just do it. The worst someone can say is no, but you have to give them the opportunity to say yes. God damn it, I have learned that with everything that I have done. Because from the agency, to my work in corporate, to building my own business now, to my podcast, I have cold called guests and been like, hey, would you like to be on my show? I don't know if they're going to say yes. I've had people just not respond to me or respond to me initially and not get back to me. That shit bounces right off of me. I mean, certainly, I'm reaching out to them because I think they'll be a good guest, but ultimately... I don't care. You just dust yourself off, move on to the next one. And maybe an opportunity will open up down the road. You can't have hurt feelings about this. That is not what this is about. This is not about keeping score either. Oh, remember that fucking reporter who didn't write about my, you know, shitty client story or whatever? Fuck that guy. No, you can't do that. That's not how it works. That's not how we build a society. That's not how you get better professionally. And so cold calling is invaluable. Here's another story. Sometimes it fucking works. And when it does, it's amazing. I think about just being at my house. It was a cold night. It was dark. It was terrible. And there was a woman going around. She rang our doorbell and she said, hi, I'm here with the blue bench. And I'll be goddamned if I can remember her name, but I wish I did. I'm here with the blue bench. We are a nonprofit organization that fights uh, on behalf of victims and survivors of rape and sexual assault. And we're out fundraising right now. Would you like to support us? We used to be called, I think it was rap, uh, something like that. And I heard her pitch and I thought, yes, this is an organization that deserves my money. Someone came to my door and I wrote them a check because of the strength of their pitch and the fact that they were just out doing this. I've never done that before in my life. But I was so touched by what they were doing. And it was cold and it was miserable. And she's out walking the hood. Like, this is Park Hill. Like, Park Hill is a great neighborhood. And I love it. And I live here. And I'm proud to live here. But some shit goes down from time to time. Like, no joke. Shit happens in Park Hill. If you get on the Park Hill Next Door page, I mean, you'll read almost any day of the week. Did, uh, did I hear gunshots fired? So the fact that she was walking around in the cold, in the dark, trying to raise money for survivors of sexual assault. Fuck, are you kidding me? Yes, I will give you some money. Holy crap. Fill your water bottle here. Please use the restroom. She did both of those things. So be nice to the people that come to your door. There are people doing great work. Just hear them out. Don't be a dick to them. Don't be a fucker. Unless they deserve it. In which case, I'd like to call out CenturyLink for their shitty predatory door-knocking practices to the point where nothing worked to get these fuckers to stop coming to my door. Like, literally nothing. They kept coming to my door, kept coming to my door. I said, I'm not interested in your product. I've had CenturyLink before. I did not appreciate the quality of the service that you provided, nor your customer service practices. So take me off your list. I will never, ever switch to CenturyLink. It could not be more clear. And gradually, I had to elevate the messaging. Until finally, these last two motherfuckers came to my door. 
And I essentially had to chase them off the property. And I go, do you see this sign, man? It says no soliciting. And yes, I'm that motherfucker who has no soliciting on, on my door. But he goes, yeah, that's not going to stop us. And I go, does your supervisor know that? Because that is a shitty practice. If that's a corporate policy that is fucked, if that's just you being a jerk, then you're fucked. I think, and if those weren't my exact words, they were close. I know in this day and age, the only thing that really works is shaming someone on social media. So I called out CenturyLink on their Facebook page. They haven't knocked on my door since. So unless someone really, really deserves it, just be kind. Just be good. And if you're not interested in their product, that's fine. Be like, thank you for your pitch. I'm not interested, uh, but I wish you best of luck. And most people go, thank you for your time. See you later. It's not an easy job, but it's a shockingly valuable job. I think, Jesus, God. Okay, one more story. Edward Jones is an investment firm. They have a number of brokers, and as part of their training, they go door-to-door trying to sell investment services. Are you shitting me? This is impossible, right? There's a guy named Dan Maud in Chicago, and he was walking around uh, a neighborhood called Skokie, knocked on my grandma's door. My grandma started talking to him, and I can only imagine what this conversation was like because I was her grandson, and sometimes my grandma was impossible to talk to. She's just... I don't have time to get into it now, but she's very, very strange. He ended up winning her business, and because he was so patient and insightful and helpful to her, he ended up winning my parents' business, which was a much bigger fish for him to catch, and he got it through knocking on doors. Amazing. So, you wonder why people are out? It's like, has this shit ever worked? Yes. Short answer, yes. It has worked. And it continues to work uh, because even if it doesn't result in tangible bottom line success, which it does, the experience that you get from doing it is invaluable. So what can I say? It's my public service announcement for the day. Be nice to cold callers unless they deserve it. And then take out your flamethrower. That's fine. If someone... Uh, is shitty while they're standing on your property, then feel free to unleash hell. And by that, I mean solely words. Please don't read anything else into that. All I mean is feel free to give them the full-throated endorsement of your emotions. Right? I think that's the best way of putting that. I think we're good for this week. You think we're good? I think we're good. All right. Let's play the outro. John's audio resume. Volume 2 has come to a close. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and the John of All Trades homepage, jonofalltrades.us. All of these episodes will be available under a special tab. Just go to podcast episodes. There's a pull-down menu. John's audio resume is right there. We're also on the social media. J-O-A-T-Pod is the place to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Pinterest. Facebook is the only place for exclusive episode previews. Those go up on Mondays. New episodes drop on Wednesday. Let's give some love to our sponsor, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Website design, web hosting, social media marketing, digital advertising, whatever you're doing on the web, they can help you do it better and get your message in front of the audiences that need to see it most at a cost that is 
very reasonable and very attractive, and they're just super to work with to boot. So hit up Zach at 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. And I'm back here next week with a brand new episode. That's right. Let's go into food service next, because now that we've covered cold calling, I think it's time for food service. And again, not a long employment record I have there, but an important one as well. So until I see you back here next week, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.